0: Hello all, and welcome to Pancreas on Strike, an all-out diabetes podcast. My name is Christina. I am a 22-year-old type 1 diabetic. I was diagnosed at 4 years old, and I have had my fair share of stereotypes, lessons, and much more when it comes to diabetes. Now, I'm not an expert, but I wanted to create a podcast to share my experience and educate those new to the diabetes world or who just want to learn something new. There have been many instances in my life where I have thought to myself, I wish there was just this resource that I can send people to that explains a variety of topic and explains things in detail. So I decided to become that resource for those who think like me. Now, I am not a medical professional, and this is not medical advice. This podcast is solely for entertainment and educational purposes. Any changes to your treatment styles or treatment types, you should consult with your doctor or medical team prior to. This podcast touches base on multiple diabetic subjects, including diabetes at work, diabetes at school, 504 plans, parenting a diabetic, treatment types, and much more, including stereotypes. While I try to make the episode mainly informational and educational, there will be times in episodes where I throw in stories so listeners can relate and know that I have similar experiences. Sometimes, just listening to somebody rattle off strict information from a website or from a book doesn't get you to connect with that person. I want listeners to be able to connect with me. Any resources that I use for information are included in the episode description, so you are able to use them as well. So once again, welcome, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. This episode will be shorter than most episodes, as this episode will just introduce what diabetes is. So what is diabetes? Diabetes is a chronic condition that occurs when the blood glucose, otherwise known as blood sugar, is too high. There are two ways to measure blood glucose. One is milligrams per deciliter, and the other is millimolar per liter. The millimolar per liter is used in the UK. The glucose in your body is your body's main source of energy. Your body can make glucose, but glucose also comes from the foods that you eat. One way to counteract this glucose is with a hormone called insulin. Insulin is naturally made in the body by the pancreas. If you have diabetes, your pancreas either doesn't make insulin or does not make enough. Side note, diabetes raises the risk for damage to the eyes, kidneys, nerves, and heart. Diabetes is also linked to some types of cancer. Now, what are the different types of diabetes? Because there are differences. Type 1 diabetes, also known as juvenile diabetes, is when your body makes very little to no insulin at all. Your immune system attacks and destroys the cells in your pancreas that make insulin. Although it is known as juvenile diabetes, it can occur at any age. It is important to note that type 1 diabetics need to take insulin every day to stay alive. There is another episode on this podcast that goes into the different ways of taking insulin. Type 2 diabetes is when the cells in your body don't use the insulin properly. The pancreas may be making insulin, but it is not making enough to keep your glucose level in the normal range. Type 2 diabetes is the most common, and you are likely to develop type 2 if you have certain risk factors, such as being overweight or obesity, and family history of diabetes. You can develop type two diabetes at any age, even in childhood. So while type one diabetes is known as juvenile diabetes, it essentially depends on what type of diabetes it is. Children can become type two diabetic if the cells in their body don't know how to process the insulin correctly. Yet they can also become type one if their pancreas makes very little to no insulin at all. Gestational diabetes. This is a type of diabetes that develops during pregnancy. Most of the time this type of diabetes goes away after the baby is born. However, if you develop gestational diabetes, you have a higher chance of developing type 2 diabetes later in life. Prediabetes. People with prediabetes have blood glucose levels that are higher than normal, but not high enough to be officially diagnosed as type 2 diabetes. If you have prediabetes, you have a higher risk of developing type 2 diabetes in the future. You also have a higher risk for heart disease than people with normal glucose levels. Monogenic diabetes. This is caused by a change in a simple gene Diabetes can also come from having surgery to remove the pancreas or from damage to the pancreas. Pause. What is considered normal glucose levels? Well, there are ranges. Obviously, if you have not eaten, then you should have smaller amounts of glucose in the body, and this is just from what the body makes itself. The amount of glucose increases after you eat, and should, in theory, go back to normal once the insulin takes effect. Again, there is another episode that talks about how long it takes certain insulins to go into effect and just goes into detail about insulin counteracting that sugar in the body. Now that we have that out of the way, let's talk about what normal is. The normal levels for non-diabetics in general Is 70 to 140 milligrams per deciliter. After meals, this increases to 80 to 140 milligrams per deciliter. And when fasting, first waking up, or before eating, the level is 80 to 99 milligrams per deciliter. Now, the normal range for diabetics is 80 to 130 milligrams per deciliter before a meal, And two hours after the start of the meal, your glucose should be less than 180 milligrams per deciliter. Now, I'm not always in range. I have switched insulin brands recently and have had some bad infusion sets on my pump, and it's been a ride. If you're confused what I mean by different brands and infusion sets, again, go to episode two, which is treatment types. So how common is diabetes and pre-diabetes? More than 133 million Americans have diabetes or pre-diabetes. So how do I prevent diabetes? Does your family have a history of diabetes? Or do you have pre-diabetes? You can't control everything that can impact your health, such as genetic makeup, age, or family history. However, you can take steps to reach your full health potential. Adding years to your life and improving its quality, even if you have been diagnosed with diabetes. Lifestyle changes such as losing weight, eating healthy, and engaging in regular and moderate physical activity may reduce the progression of prediabetes and type 2 diabetes. Now, it's not going to reduce the progression of type 1 diabetes, but Doing these activities can help control type 1 diabetes. They can also minimize other factors such as high blood pressure, blood cholesterol, and even heart attacks and strokes. In many instances, lifestyle changes must be accompanied by medications to control blood glucose levels, high blood pressure, and cholesterol. This complementary regimen may also prevent heart attacks and strokes. Diabetes is a wild one, and there are so many factors that go into our daily lives. It is much more than just watching our sugar intake and doing insulin for it. There is so much more than what some stereotypes say. It is something that diabetics have to live with 24-7, 365, specifically type 1 diabetics. But for any diabetic... It is constantly monitoring, constantly correcting, and just constantly doing things to make sure that we are living our life to the fullest. Now that we have gone over what diabetes is, let's dive into the history of diabetes. Side note, I do apologize if I pronounce any of these names incorrectly. Diabetes was thought to be discovered in 1550 BC when Hesi Ra, an Egyptian physician, documented frequent urination as a symptom of a mysterious disease. Also, around this time, ancient healers noted that ants seemed to be attracted to the urine of people who had this disease. This might be because when glucose levels are too high in the body, one of the body's natural defenses, is to flush it out. How do we do that? By drinking water and flushing it out through the urine. Now, let's look at the history of insulin. Before insulin was discovered in 1921, people with diabetes didn't live for long. There wasn't much doctors could do for them. The most effective treatment was to put patients with diabetes on very strict diets with minimal carbohydrate intake. Let's pause for a second. In all of this talk, and this whole podcast, I have mentioned glucose, I have mentioned sugar, I have mentioned pretty much everything, except for that one word, carbohydrates. What are carbohydrates? Carbohydrates, or carbs, are sugar molecules. Along with proteins and fats, carbohydrates are one of the three main nutrients found in foods and drinks. Your body breaks down carbohydrates into glucose. Glucose, or blood sugar, is the main source of energy for the body's cells, tissues, and organs. Interesting fact, if you look at the nutritional label on any bottle of soda, really any food packaging, you'll note that it says sugar, X amount of grams, and you'll also see a word called carbohydrates, with X amount of grams. Diabetics don't look at the sugar or the amount of grams of sugar that there is in the food or in the product. We look at carbohydrates. Back to the history of insulin. This could buy patients a few extra years but couldn't save them. Harsh diets, some prescribed as little as 450 calories a day. That isn't even an entire meal. Sometimes even cause patients to die of starvation. So how did this wonderful breakthrough blossom? Let's travel back a little more than a 100 years ago. In 1889, two German researchers, Oskar Minkowski and Joseph von Mering, found that when the pancreas gland was removed from dogs, the animals developed symptoms of diabetes and died soon afterward. This led to the idea that the pancreas was the site where quote-unquote pancreatic substances i.e. insulin, were produced. Later experimenters narrowed this search to the insulates of Langerhans, a fancy name for clusters of specialized cells in the pancreas. In 1910, Sir Edward Albert sharpey Schaffer suggested only one chemical was missing from the pancreas in people with diabetes. He decided to call this chemical insulin, which comes from the Latin word insula, meaning island. So what happened next? Something truly miraculous. In 1921, a young surgeon named Frederick Banting and his assistant, Charles Best, figured out how to remove insulin from a dog's pancreas. Skeptical colleagues said the stuff looked like thick brown muck, which, side note, I can tell you that liquid is clear now, but obviously it is highly manufactured, and very quickly manufactured. But little did they know this would leave to life and hope for millions of people with diabetes. With this murky concoction, the two kept another dog with severe diabetes alive for 70 days. The dog died only when there was no more extract. With this success, the researchers, along with the helps of colleagues J.B. Collip and John McLeod went a step further. A more refined and pure form of insulin was developed, this time from the pancreas of cattle. In 1922, Leonard Thompson, a 14-year-old boy dying from diabetes in a Toronto hospital, became the first person to receive an injection of insulin. Within 24 hours, Leonard's dangerously high blood glucose levels dropped to near-normal levels. The news about insulin spread around the world like wildfire. In 1923, Banting and McLeod received the Nobel Prize in Medicine, which they shared with Best and Collip. So, thank you to these diabetic researchers. Soon after, the medical firm Eli Lilly started large scale production of insulin. It wasn't long before there was enough supply for the entire North American continent. In the decades to follow, Manufacturers developed a variety of slow-acting insulins, the first introduced by novo Nordstick Pharmaceuticals, Inc. in 1936. Fun Fact There is an insulin brand called Novolog. Insulin from cattle and pigs was used for many years to treat diabetes and save millions of lives. But it wasn't perfect, as it caused allergic reactions in many patients. The first genetically engineered synthetic quote-unquote human insulin was produced in 1978 using E. coli bacteria to produce the insulin. Eli Lilly went on in 1982 to sell the first commercially available biosynthetic human insulin under the brand name Humulin. Again, there is another brand of insulin called Humalog. Insulin now comes in many forms, from regular human insulin identical to what the body produces on its own to ultra-rapid and ultra-long-acting insulin. Thanks to decades of research, people with diabetes can choose from a variety of formulas and ways to take their insulin based on their personal needs and lifestyles. Diabetes is a wild one. There are so many factors that go into our daily lives. It is much more than just watching our sugar intake and doing insulin for it. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I hope you stick around for future episodes.